0: That's when all of a sudden you get your IT folks to go, they don't use that, we just shut that down for them. And then, you know what's awesome though? Because now you have like a symbiotic relationship because you're like, brilliant, I'm glad you said that. Let's go work with the plan owner to get their plan updated.
1: Welcome to the Failover Plan Podcast, I'm Shane Matthew. Well, we're back after a brief hiatus. Last week we attended Disaster Recovery Journal's first ever virtual conference, which had nearly 1,000 attendees. Now, I participated as a speaker, exhibitor, and as an audience member, and it was definitely surreal navigating the virtual conference rooms, trying to find where the next presentation on my schedule was located, and talking to potential clients via Zoom, all while wearing my pajamas. So kudos to Bob Arnold and the gang from DRJ for moving to the virtual format in such a short time. Now, don't forget to join our failover plan LinkedIn group. It's becoming the best way to communicate with our industry listeners about what's coming up on the show and exciting announcements. This week, for example, we're about to hit the 150-member mark on the group, so to get us over the top, we're asking all our listeners who haven't joined yet to simply hit the follow button. Or if you're an active fan, please share a post with your network so we can hit that goal. Now, we're planning another giveaway when we hit our next milestone, so don't forget to share so we can get there faster. All right, with that all out of the way, let's get on with the show. Now, business continuity can sometimes be a lonely road. Though the work seemingly touches all parts of the business, we're oftentimes focused on a parallel track of activity that isn't normally top of mind with your business partners. So what can we do to change this? Now, this week on the podcast, we're going to be talking about the idea of embedding your program into other parts of the business to cultivate partnerships and demonstrate value long before an incident. We're excited to have Jamie Goodlow, a solutions engineer in the professional services division of OnSolve, Who partners with clients to devise and implement mass notification solutions and crisis response programs now jamie has worked in bc for the last 12 years at companies such as capital one and usaa and has spent time managing and building business continuity technical disaster recovery and executive level crisis response programs now her unique background working in each of these spaces has given her a great understanding of the interconnectivities of the profession and how one can further embed your program into companies to achieve greater success in adoption. And we're going to hear her insights about this topic today on the show. So welcome, Jamie Goodlow, to the show. I'm excited you're here.
0: Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here.
1: Yeah, so uh, Jamie has had the unfortunate um, experience of dealing with me as a speaker at a I believe it was an ACP meeting, so she had to deal with all my diva requirements to speak (laughs) there.
0: (laughs) There were none.
1: Unfortunately for her, she still maintained a friendship with me, so I'm glad that she's part of the show and she's agreed to to hang out with me today to talk. But we're excited to have her. Jamie, could you tell the audience a little bit uh, about yourself and uh, what you do?
0: Certainly. Yeah. So currently I actually work at OnSolve. Um, I am a solutions engineer for OnSolve. And so I sort of do a couple of different things, Um, help provide some of the more technical demonstrations of our systems to potential clients, as well as existing clients, as well as we also support professional services and consultative uh, efforts for uh, potential and existing clients as well.
1: Yeah, so uh, as, as a fellow consultant, uh, you know, it's, it's a very rewarding and challenging career at the same time. So uh, I'm sure we share a lot of war stories, or we can share a lot of war stories. But, uh, <laughs> you know, where I, when I met Jamie, yeah, she was working in, as uh, a BC professional in, in the industry. So tell us a little bit about some of your experiences before OnSolve.
0: Yeah, definitely. So I've been in the business continuity industry for a little over 12 years now, and uh, I started uh, pr- primarily it's been in the financial institution space, um, but I actually didn't uh, start out uh, and in plan like growing up to be a business continuity professional. I know you're shocked to hear that.
1: Um, <laughs> Wait, more but... than your like life dream? I mean, I figured that uh, many people... I grew up wanting to be a BC professional in their younger years.
0: <laughs> well, you know, nowadays I know that they have the uh, degrees out there that you can get, but certainly those really weren't a thing when I was growing up and it wasn't it wasn't on my list of, of what I wanted to be, but uh, I was in the, the right place at the wrong time or the wrong place at the right time. I don't know how you want to look at that, but... Uh, um, I was actually in a role in an IT position where I was doing what was called platform management, uh, which basically meant I was doing a lot of soft skills for IT folks. I was helping them respond to the things that they didn't like to do, like uh, audits and compliance and risk and all those things. So. Um, you know, it sort of naturally became a thing where business continuity was something that got added to our team's plate. And I I think the way that it actually worked out is I was the last person to put my finger on my nose because I didn't know that that was a thing at the time. So, you know, I I inherited business continuity (laughs) as a
1: result. (laughs) If I had a dollar for every time I heard that story in the industry, we would be billionaires by now. It seems like, but that's kind of cool that you've, uh, you kind of, first found a position that was serving almost like the emissary between IT and the rest of the organization is that is that how you kind of characterize it
0: absolutely and it's kind of just kind of continued from there sometimes i consider myself a translator between um kind of business and IT and some of the soft uh, compliance risk stuff so yes
1: that's interesting yeah well i wish we had IT had embraced that in many organizations it would probably <laughs> help their cause a lot <laughs> <laughs> So you know we're, you, you, I I know you you've uh, developed uh speaking skill set you're obviously um speaking at various conferences like DRJ on various topics um so you know you you've got to meet a lot of people you've got to see a lot of organizations as you work in consulting and your over your career you know what are what are some of the issues that you Seem to hear over and over again. I mean, like because, I and mean, when I'm, I'm I'm breaching this topic through the lens of, you know, the podcast is 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 focused around. Hey, business continuity is not perfect. We have things to work on, and things to improve upon, and that's what this platform is for. So, what do you think are are, are issues that you've seen that really uh, cause heart, heartburn amongst our our uh, fellow colleagues?
0: Yeah, that's a that's a great question, um, and I'm looking forward to uh, the the outputs from these conversations because I do think that you are are having the conversations that challenge some of the norms. That I'm looking forward to where this uh, helps move the industry. So I'm excited about that. Um, you know, so I, I guess I kind of have to respond. And it's, it's kind of sad because it's, it's I feel like it's a typical response. I feel like everybody struggles with saying that they, um, you know, work to get executive buy-in and support. Um, and obviously, we know that that's key in having a program in place. But I, I really think, you know, when you dig a little bit deeper that you start to find or that what I've started to find through, you know, various experiences I've had in different companies and in talking to the network is that, Programs really aren't embedded deeply in companies such that, you know, your executives and your performers and your teams have a really good kind of understanding of business continuity, what you do, the value that you can provide, you know, I feel like a lot of folks, uh, you know, being a consultant in the past and having to go out in the organization and saying, you know, build out a business continuity plan, they kind of go, oh, gosh, here she comes again. Like, that's that girl that's usually in that basement <laughs> office with, the, you know, the red stapler or whatnot. Like, why is she here again? Oh, it must be my annual review, you know? <laughs> and
1: so... If anybody doesn't get that reference to the office space, you are dead to me. Because <laughs> that is a great reference. Yeah, no, I totally get that. I mean, you know, I've I've experienced that building programs, too, as a BC manager. I mean, it's not uncommon. That is a theme of, of various uh, episodes we've done. Uh, and there's we're always thirsting for that recognition of being a value add. But we quite haven't figured out exactly. Maybe some people haven't, but have. But, you know, so what do you do about that? Or what what's the common issue that's bar you know, causing the barrier to being embedded, as you say?
0: Yeah, good question. So I think that there's, you know, a couple of different things that come to mind. I mean, obviously, I think that we need to be better kind of in the marketing space where we're having the appropriate communications with folks and rather than asking for rubber stamps that we're really taking the opportunity to educate folks because particularly now, right, we've got a lot going on in the industry where we can educate folks on the value that we can provide or could have if we, you know, you're like most of us are kind of uh, ended up being a little reactive in a situation like this. Um, But one of the things that I really noticed, you know, I kind of started out working at a big company where we had a lot of resources and we had a lot of, you know, we had a dedicated business continuity team, we had a dedicated disaster recovery team, we had a dedicated governance team, um, and we had a lot of parts and pieces in play um, where we were as a program sort of more embedded throughout the company on a day-to-day basis than what you typically or historically see a lot of business continuity teams um, filling from a role perspective. And I guess I kind of had my eyes opened a bit when I you know, I went from being at that big company where we, you know, had those things in place and I sort of took them for granted mm-hmm. when I decided to kind of leave and go out sort of on my own to test all of my skills and and got assigned uh, ownership and responsibility of all of business continuity, all of disaster recovery, all of crisis management and kind of had to go, where do I start? Um, you know, I started to recognize and start to build out some of the program, but I started to realize that just having the conversations of... Build a BC plan for a big smoking hole scenario where our entire data center and building is completely gone, isn't really as exciting to folks as I thought that it might have been to them. And so I had to get creative and think about, okay, what did we do differently where people actually were inviting us to the call and inviting us to conversations, kind of on a more day to day or regular basis.
1: Right. So are you, are you saying that uh, you know obviously you 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 saw a good example of how this could work and then trying to implement it at was it the, was it the company that you tried to implement this and, and maybe didn't see the same, um, uh, level of interest were those smaller as in like, they didn't have a full blown risk environment or, or they just didn't have a, a previous program that would show them, you know, the benefits, how, what was the environment really like?
0: I definitely think um, that the risk programs, you know, the companies that have risk programs in place definitely help sort of identify um, areas where the you know business continuity and disaster recovery can expand. I don't know that that's necessarily the conduit to this. I just I think the difference that I saw in the organization, um, you know, where we did some of these things successfully was that we ha- I think identified the gap, identified that we were getting kind of that blank look and people's stares when we were saying, okay, let's build a business continuity plan, and we realized that. We weren't really as a team addressing some of the things that we hoped or that they hoped that we would address, right? You know, I've had folks tell me, you know, you're telling me to write a plan for this scenario where everything's gone, but I've been on calls for 15 hours straight where I've had an application down or, you know, something kind of more Mm. singular or operational. And, you know, you're wanting me to do something different than that. Where are you when it comes to helping me address the pain points that I'm feeling on a day-to-day basis?
1: Oh, Uh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Right, right, it's a simple stuff that really just gets in people's craw a lot, you know it's it's stuff that we could potentially fix that we don't focus in on, so these scenarios you're you're talking about the general scenarios that most business continuity um, folks f- center in on, like the the loss of all your data center or loss of your whole facility that that's the level you're talking about, right.
0: Yeah, I mean, those are what you kind of see as required in a business continuity plan, and and some folks take it a little further and do, you know, maybe a little bit more granular. But a lot of the times, that's that's where you're focused is on the the, the worst day of your life type situation in typical BC plans.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, well, so go back to the example of of, of what you saw that you really thought was working well, where there was where there was embedding, as you called it. Um, you know, w- what were some of the manifestations of that? What did it look like on a day to day basis? Where where uh, these teams were getting together more frequently, or or for for events that, you know, solve some of the smaller problems.
0: Yeah. Uh, so, one of the things uh, I think what we did uh, that really sort of took off and that really got a lot of buy in was we started to brand the program to be looking more at instead of just kind of disaster or crisis situations. Um, we indicated that we were going to work to detail plans for more of operational resiliency was the key term. <clears throat> and I know that's that's been used in the industry quite a bit. Uh, resiliency gets used in a lot of different areas and spaces, but basically what that meant was on a day-to-day basis, you know, we're going out and we're talking to plan owners and we're having them complete BIAs and tell us, you know, what all of the resources are that they use in their day-to-day operations why wouldn't we then also say, tell us the impacts and tell us what your strategies are for loss of singular resources. Um, so that we we have that information available to us. And by the way, it was duration-based as well, where you're saying, you know, okay, you use application A. It's a critical application to you. Okay, so what happens if application A is down for an hour, for three hours, for 12 hours, whatever the case may be? Um, and, and you start to get a little more granular in your plans rather than looking at sort of the holistic, sort of everything's gone. And what that then enabled us to do was, turn on sort of the power of data analytics, right? Because then we've got all of this information that we've kind of already had available to us, but we then can use it to share with other teams and other processes to enable them and help them respond to the types of issues and problems that they're solving for so you know one specific example uh we'll talk about the it one since i was already on that topic there you know i've been on so many it calls where you've got an incident you've got an outage you've got a server down or a database down and Yeah, right. We've all been there, um, you know, and hopefully, you know, IT is familiar with, you know, how the, the servers or the databases may be mapped to the applications and, you know, maybe they've got one particular uh, person that they know in the business that they work with on a day-to-day basis. But how many times have you been on a call where, you know, IT goes, this is down, but what's the impact? How do we yeah, know what the impact is no. on the business?
1: <laughs> like, Absolutely. <laughs> that is a common thing. But, like, Jamie, why do you think that is? Do you, Do you think, do you think they're that busy? Or do you think it's because they they' never you know had anybody to 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 remind them of the importance of that? It just feels like i t is is designed to support the business, yet they oftentimes please don't be upset with me i t folks if you're, if you're, <laughs> but they oftentimes don't seem to understand the business operations that they've put these systems in place to support. Why do you think that is?
0: Yeah, that's a good, that's a really good question. I think that's like the question of the century though. maybe we <laughs> maybe have some IT folks on here to ask, but you don't
1: know. Why not?
0: <laughs> Why not? You know, I, I think it kind of goes back to what I was talking about before, where you almost need like a translator, right? In the role that I filled before, right. I helped them kind of do some of the things they didn't like to do so that they could go back to coding or fixing servers or, you know, the technical things that they sort of have the aptitude and skills to do. Um, And, you know, what I have found a lot of times is that organizations do have IT connected with perhaps one person in the business, but I think everybody's so busy, it's hard to know when you've got, you know, 10 different levels of level one, two, three in IT, and then you've got, you know, 20 different business units that end up using the applications that it's very easy for lines to get crossed and to not know who to go to, particularly when you're talking about a large organization. So, you know, it, it,
1: it, unfortunately, you know, Yeah. So when, when, when you, if, when you were in those situations, obviously you, I guess you served as the resource that could provide that information. Right. And, and therefore you kind of crossed the bridge for them. You know, how did they receive that? Like, was that uh, just, okay. We have a Jamie. (laughs) We're good. (laughs) Initially. (laughs) we We don't have to deal with this. We've got, we've got the resource. We don't have to mess with it, but like, you know, like, do you know what I'm saying? Like, did they see that? Is okay, I I, I value this and we should do more around this? How how that bridge get closer between your two teams?
0: Yeah. So so the way that it did start out was, yeah, it was like, you know, Jamie can be available to be on your IT incident calls. And then Jamie realized how many of those
1: happened. <laughs> yeah, and- I was going to say, <laughs> like- there is the negative of that. <laughs> 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 you'll be surprised how many of those calls you'll get. <laughs> Indeed, you will. And so
0: so then you kind of learn, right? You take your next baby step and you have this brilliant idea of, hey, I've got this data in the system. And really, all I'm doing is dialing into this call to do an extract. So, hey, mm. brilliant idea. Let's get more people utilizing my system here. Let's teach them how they can pull these reports. And You know, I think from there, it becomes more interesting because now that they're sort of responsible for providing some of that data, they're like inherently more integrated into your program because then they Mm, start to ask questions. How did you get this data? Or, you know, what's amazing is when you get on these calls or, you know, whoever's on the call and they're looking at these reports and you say, you know, application A is down. I've got 20 processes that use that. That's when all of a sudden you get your IT folks to go, they don't use that. We just shut that down for them. (laughs) <laughs> and then, you know what's awesome, though, because now you have like a symbiotic relationship because you're right. like, brilliant, I'm glad you said that. Let's go work with the plan owner to get their plan updated. updated. <laughs>
1: so yeah, 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 yeah. Because it happens so fast, right? Our plans, uh, it's a challenge to keep them up to date, uh, especially if a lot of our frequencies are on the annual basis, <laughs> you know, which <laughs> seems <laughs> like that's all the time sometimes you know, people can devote to this process. But yeah, you're totally right, especially if I've, I've found... I've had a couple of situations where you're like, okay, here's the process. And they're like, oh, we changed that process. Yeah. <laughs> we don't oh, yeah. use that application or it's been sunsetted. You know, like crud. Yeah, Just so a couple? It, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, maybe I lied. A thousand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? But that's interesting. Okay, so IT, that's thats definitely, thats that seems to be a common uh, way that most people do. What other groups did you see get involved in, in, in again a bet, embed your your teams together? What other what other experiences do you have?
0: Yeah, there's, I mean, there's lots of different opportunities. When I mean, you look at the type of information and in the in the data you're gathering in BIA, right, if you're asking for them to define any resources, ultimately, this could go out far and wide, right? You know, right. high level, I know I've got one I'll talk about here in just a second, but you know, if you're gathering suppliers, right, if you've got a third-party management team, you can start to partner with them and, you know, share data back and forth, supplement what they have, and, you, you know, they can supplement back to you, Um but one other big example that I really found a lot of success was um, in working with facilities teams. So, you know, a lot of the times you work with facilities, they've got really good sophisticated systems where they understand, you know, you're in a cubicle environment perhaps, and they know that you've got 50 people at a site, right? 50 butts mm-hmm, 50 mm-hmm. or 50 seats that they've got at that site. But what they don't have is some of the supplemental information that we as BC professionals gather. Like that
1: what? Like what were you- I'm sorry. You're probably no.
0: Nope. <laughs> I'm so glad you asked.
1: <laughs> this, this was not planned. I promise.
0: <laughs> you know, it's it's some of that strategy information. So I always give the the scenario of you know you've got facilities knows you got let's say 50 people in a particular office, and then that office okay. becomes unavailable. They think they have 50 people that they then have a burden of you know ah, relocating. Right. But you know we've got the information about oh hey maybe 10 of those people can work from home. Boom! That's you know your list is is chopped down by ten, and then you can sort of do something similarly. Then if you go look and say, hey, we could move people to building B. Well, let's go look at building B. If they don't have any seats available, well, can any of those people work from home or any of those people not critical? Um, so you can really supplement their existing processes and then help them for not only like an incident response situation, um, but also from planning, right? As you start to kind of kick off and say, I can help you in incident response, they start to see what your process is, ask some questions, and then they're like, oh, gosh, I want your data on a day-to-day basis, right?
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Now and I think with, with the COVID situation, there is definitely... Uh, if it hasn't been already, there's going to be an alignment between facilities and business continuity. and, And I think just operationally, the business learning that, hey, what do we do about all this space that we normally use? Do we need this? Is there a work from home going to happen forever? There's definitely a benefit of having that partnership between your team or business continuity teams and facilities now. So, I mean, and there's going to be people that say, okay, well, we already talked to facilities. (laughs) We, we know they do that, that that we have to talk to them about generally seats and recovery. I mean, but like, is there any other intangibles or tangibles that you, that you, that you gather from that or that you've seen happen between these types of partnerships?
0: Yeah, again, like I said, the biggest win that we had at the big company I worked for that did this really well was we had a really strong work area recovery strategy. And like you said, I think it's going to become very relevant as you start to bring folks back to work, because we're really going to understand not only that the, you know, the butts that exist in the seats or how many seats exist, but the work that's done, the priority of the work that's done, you can gather again, your strategies, you know, are you dead in the water if you, you know, people can't come into the office or, you know, you've just got additional data. Data that enables them to be able yeah. to do their planning. And then of course they can support you back and forth. And, you know, not only that, a lot of times when you get folks, folks more involved in your process, they then are asking the data that you're gathering and they might even find a use case where, you know, Hey, you're already asking them, could you also ask them this question? And then you're sort of, you know, providing even more value and you're more embedded right. and ingrained into the organization.
1: Yeah. It's making me think of, of a, a work environment I was in where, where we were we were in a building that we had kind of reached the capacity of. So, you know, meeting space was a priority. And when we were talking about, Hey, we've got a plan for moving. If people in this area had to be moved to another area because of a water leak or, or the building was damaged, which it had been, it had, it had had extensive damage at one time before because of a natural event uh, and people had to kind of move, but the operation is not very conducive to remote work. And so, we had to come up with a strategy on where are we are going to move them? And there's no space. There's no space to even say, Oh, we'll just put these people in a conference room for, you know, a week because there literally was no space anywhere else. Like that's oh, the gosh. type of <laughs> challenge that you kind of have to say, okay, well how can we, how can facilities help with that? Cause the, you know, you're not just talking about, well, we just need some chairs and a table and they could just move everything. It's like literally coordinating moves. And facilities would have to be helping with that, you know? So having those types of relationships and talking to them about what would be the priority for which groups, that I think that's very vital. You're right. You're spot on about that. Because there's going to be some processes I think are more important than others. Um, meaning, like, you know, they, they might require space in the building versus, hey, you can completely work from home and not have any issues. Yes. Um, yeah. So, what other groups do you uh, tend to bring to the table for for uh, your your pre event embedding? Like, what, is there other teams that you've kind of historically most people don't think about?
0: well you know I think another way another opportunity that you have is to uh, work more closely with executive teams i I know that um y- you know usually you end up working with plan owners to build up business continuity plans and and I don't know your experience I, I suspect this is probably fairly consistent across the board you know that a lot of the times it's like again another situation where the last person to put their finger on their nose was the one who got the business <laughs> continuity plan and so you know usually that translates to that's why
1: problem- I walk Around all the time, Jamie, with my finger on my nose. (laughs) It's a good plan. Not in my nose, on my nose, literally, just so I wouldn't get picked.
0: (laughs) I like it. That's probably a really good plan. You know, (laughs) then you don't get pulled in. Right. but hey, we want you doing the BC plan. So I maybe mean, that's not that's not a good thing. Um, I take that back. All right. All right. <laughs> but you know, so so the point though, there is that a lot of the times your your plan managers, and I hate to say this, no offense, plan managers, you're listening in, but you know, they might be some of the the less tenured, the less sort of understanding of business continuity. And I know it took me a while to get up to speed. And so here I was responsible for writing a business continuity plan and then. You know, I'm not, you know, lock step, lock sync and step with my executives on a day to day basis, and so I think that, you know, if you start to gather these types of details and you do them, particularly, I think in a in a data centric way, where you're able to kind of bucketize and you're not writing these big 50 page plans, then what you can kind of do as a business continuity professional is extract the details kind of at the high level and be able to present those back to executive leadership and say, here's some of your high level approaches that you've got, um, here's some of the gaps that you may have, right? Because you would you you know, if you don't have a long-term strategy for a certain type of situation or a loss of a certain resource, that's important to be able to call out. And so being able to give kind of that bird's eye view of not only, you know, from a smoking hole situation, we'll probably be able to declare disaster and we'll get a little bit of a leeway because it's a disaster scenario, but on a day-to-day basis, here's some of your things where like if you lose this or if you lose that, you do or don't have a good strategy in place. And so I think that those have been very helpful as well to be able to present that perspective to people who are living and breathing in the plans day to day and to check those, you know, people who weren't uh, quick enough to get their finger on their nose in time. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All, right. All right. So somebody who's done presentations and, and, and kind of got that executive, uh, you know, insight as to what's important to them, what would you say is the things that you used or, or you found to be the important stuff for them? Like how, how, how have you won them over or at least got their interest?
0: Ooh, those are good questions. Um, <laughs> a lot <laughs> of the times what I do, I, I do marketing. I think that that's something that, you know, like if we had a business continuity degree or program, you know, that you go to school and you learn, you've got to yes. have like, a, like an agenda de- dedicated to marketing because. The painful thing is that a lot of executives particularly like in regulated industries it, it just becomes kind of check the box. I know that I need to do this, give me my numbers, make sure I'm green, move on. Right. I personally um take a more invasive approach where I, you know, demand time on calendars and sit down and actually take some time to educate folks and make them understand the you know what they're getting for their money, right? You're investing in me as a person, um the program as a whole and probably some tools as well. I think that you have um, an interest in learning the work that we're doing how it is directly valuable to you and then you know making it relevant to perhaps things that are going on in the world and those of you guys who are not using this right now for marketing this pandemic situation are you know <laughs> losing valuable
1: <laughs> you valuable are tools not in the program. smart <laughs> if you're not <laughs> right no, you're right yeah <laughs> this is a uh, this is a poster child for years to come
0: yeah, indeed and hopefully folks are using it is that I mean it's unfortunate to say that but that's i mean how many people now are it'd be interesting to see our folks coming on your show and saying, gosh, I wish I had a better pandemic plan. I know that's what I'm hearing kind of in the industry. So. (laughs) Oh my God.
1: That's a whole other episode by itself. (laughs) How useful they were. So (laughs) anybody want to talk to me about it, let me know. I've got, I've got some time. I'm interested in it. (laughs) Right. But no, listen, at the end of the day, you're, 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 you're speaking, you know, truth it's 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 not easy to maintain a program or even run a program start a program on your own you you have to find these partners throughout the organization and you know some of them are very easy to see but it's hard to actually manage so when you go back to um you know the i.t and facilities um you know how do you how do you embed with the other risk groups in your organizations? If you if you if you've done that, if you have an organization that has risk management or um, compliance or auditing, are those potential partners as well?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, those are the groups. Well, unfortunately, they're the ones that, you know, people have the perspective of I'm um, doing it because I have to. But I think that the important piece and the thing that I sort of preach to everybody is that the way that you get embedded is by taking the opportunities to build the relationships with any of the groups that you really sort of need to be involved with, be it plan owners or partner groups that you're going to work together with to tackle You've got to give them the, the, what's in it for me, the, you know, tell me about your life. I'm going to tell you about my life and here's how we're going to work together. And we're going to make your life better. I'm not going to be that little ankle biter that comes to you once a year and you're going to, you know, do whatever you have to do to get me to, to go away. I want you to actually care about it. And I want you to see me as a valued partner who's actually contributing to your success, not just, again, the girl who came up from the basement for <laughs> a once a year, you know, ankle biting situation. <laughs> so um <laughs>
1: so okay so i'm gonna uh throw you a little curveball here but uh, is there a story or an event that you remember hey this was like that that perfect or best example of how embedding really saved the day how the relationships either with facilities or with it or with any other partner that you recall it really worked well is there something we could share around that
0: you know, I think, I, I think probably a good, maybe this is more of just kind of a testament of um, being embedded rather than utilizing the, um, you know, the actual process itself. But, you know, after having worked with IT specifically, and I was on the actual DR team at this point in time, but we had really spent some time branding and relationship building with members of the IT leadership and expressing and showing our value. And so we showed up on those calls, we provided them with the data, we continued to bridge the relationship back to the business if there were follow-up questions or concerns. Um, and so that kind of happened recurring, you know, on a day-to-day basis as you have your different outages and then what happened was we had a, one of those kind of really it wasn't you know data center was out but we had what we called a sub almost sub zero slash one right it was one of those really bad um, we had a an impact to a, a data array a storage array yeah um, and it ended up taking out more than just one server right and it was hard down and it was on a very very critical system and so we ended up having to stand up a full on. <clears throat> response team where we all went down to our um, technology operations center. It was, you know, 24 by 7. People were sleeping on the floors there trying to, no, you know, right. rush to get all these things fixed. And what we found was that our team was invited in with open arms. And you know, prior to that, it was kind of a, you know, the, the team had kind of been seen as your DR, or you just want details or you want data, you want to be able to write the report, you want to see how I'm doing, you want to sort of tattletale on me, so to speak. Um, And after having, spending all that time to show our value and build that relationship, we didn't even have to ask and we were invited and had a seat at that table. So that was a big win for us.
1: Right. Yeah, no, I I 100% agree. That's a great example. I mean, because I remember doing that with IT service management, like getting embedded with them and going to all these incidents. It made it, oh, we got to call Shane. He's got to be part of this call too. So it totally makes a difference. In how you uh, are able to carry out your business continuity activities. So, Jamie, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. It uh, it's definitely a testament to how we can learn, um, and and really this solidifies a lot of what uh, I know. A lot of people know the general idea about how to really build these relationships, but this is great practical, um, you know, anecdotes and examples of how it works. So, thanks, Jamie, for showing, joining us today.
0: Of course. Thank you for having me.
1: Thanks for joining us this week on the Failover Plan podcast. You can find out more about Jamie Goodlow by visiting our website, failoverpodcast.com. There you'll find a link to Jamie's LinkedIn page she wanted to share with our listeners. This week, don't forget to share the podcast LinkedIn page with your network so you can let others know about what you're hearing each week. Thanks again for listening. And remember, why learn how to do something on your own when there's got to be someone else who may have already learned this the hard way.